0: James chapter 1, picking up at verse 9. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us now through your word, draw us closer to you, and help us to apply your scriptures to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting in verse 9, it says, Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. It says, um, Because as a flower of the field he will pass away, for no sooner has the uh, sun risen with a burning heat then it withers the grass it flowers falls and its beautiful appearance perishes so the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits verse 12 says blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the lord has promised to those who love him let no one say when he is tempted i am tempted by god for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when his desire has dis, uh, conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brethren, my beloved brethren. Every good and and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought uh, of his own will he brought us forth. By the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So, by way of reminder, James is uh, writing. James is the half brother of Jesus, and he's writing, and he's writing to the persecuted uh, church, the church that's been dispersed. Uh, it, it says scattered abroad in verse one because of the persecution that had happened uh, to the believers. And as we talked in verse two, it says, "My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials." And so he says. Uh, because the testing or the proving of your faith produces patience. That word patience speaks of of, of perseverance. And so he's saying that you and I are going to go through trials that are going to produce in us perseverance. And what we're going to see, like in verse 12, this perseverance is for us to keep our eyes on the finish line, on on the prize. And... It's interesting because right now we're in a time where the Olympics have started. I don't know if any of you guys have had a chance to watch. Um, I haven't. I like watching the Olympics and stuff. I like um, a lot of the sports and stuff. And so, um, but when we look at this, this whole thing of getting to a finish line, keeping our eyes on the finish line and keeping uh, ourselves focused, he says, but knowing that the testings that we go through, the testings that we go through, they produce in us patience and so he says listen if you don't understand this he says ask but when you ask of God for wisdom and and all this other stuff to get through these patients he says don't ask verse 6 in, it, with doubting because if you ask in doubting it's like your uh, way being tossed to and fro and so he gets into verse 9 where he says let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation but the rich in his humiliation because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. And then it says in verse 11, For no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers uh, with uh, the grass. And so this whole idea is this. There's an understanding that in our uh, when there's a lack uh, with the poor, there, there's this exaltation. The focus is our spiritualness. Our spirituality is, is our relationship with God. And so he's saying this, whether rich or poor, rejoice in Christ. When you go through trials and you're rich, again, right now we're talking last service like with the inflation of things. I mean, it, it, the, the, the th- with inflation, with the cost of everything rising, um, paychecks aren't, are, aren't going up, but the cost of things are going up. You know, the cost of homes and everything else Uh, It's crazy. The cost of almost anything to buy something, it's gone up. Our utility bills have skyrocketed and everything else. But with that, most people's paychecks haven't gone up to, to balance that out. And so it gets difficult. There are people that have lots of money, and with lots of money comes lots of toys. The Bible talks about that we shouldn't store up our treasures here on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal, but store up our treasures in heaven. In other words, it's not wrong having nice things, it's not wrong having uh, good things, nice things, whatever, but hold those things, if you would, with an open hand. Because through trials, through struggles, through circumstances, you might eventually lose that stuff. But hold those things with an open hand because God is still God. And so you can rejoice in the Lord even know uh, what was once great, what was once amazing, what was once beautiful has withered. See, it says the rich of the world will certainly fade away because eventually they might not become, uh, stay rich. Eventually they might let lose everything. I, I was reading a headline. I didn't read the article, but some of you know who Tori Spelling is. Tori Spelling was in uh, 90210. Her dad was... Uh, actually, the the creator 90210 and stuff, and uh, Aaron Spelling, I think, was her dad's name. He's passed, but um, the headline said that her and her husband um, have called it quits, but they're not going to get a divorce because they're too broke to to get a divorce. At one point, she was, her family was like one of the richest families on earth, or or at least in the United States, and but she doesn't have any money, and. The article it said, I didn't read the article, but the title said, they called it quits, but they're not getting divorced or they're not separating because they can't afford to. And, and I think, okay, what happened to all that money? What happened to all that wealth? But this is the passage for us as believers that's reminding us here in verse 9 through 11, we don't draw our joy out of possessions. We don't draw our joy out of having things or not having things. Our joy, it, it is, comes from our spiritualness. It comes from our relationship with God. When we have this understanding of who God is and who we are in Him, <coughs> then we rejoice. We rejoice because God's with us. That He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Um, it's interesting how people become miserable and, and when people become miserable, sometimes it's because they hate themselves, because they feel like I'm not where I want to be or whatever. But they forget, like, who they are in Christ. As, as I mentioned to you guys before, there's times when we go on mission trips. I remember one of my first times down to Mexico in um, uh, a city called uh, Tecate. And we were down there, and, and we were showing uh, the Jesus film. And... Um, this family that lived next to this creek they literally had nothing the family had a little house their kitchen was um, like pallets it was wood trash that the, they had found and then their stove was a metal trash can turned upside down and that was how the, the mom cooked and everything else it was crazy and the kids are running around kicking cans and kick, uh, kicking a, a deflated soccer ball and we gave them a new soccer ball and. And uh, it was brand new and stuff, and they were all excited. But they were excited to to play with the old soccer ball. They didn't realize what they didn't have. Did that make sense? They didn't realize what they didn't have. For us and our team that went down there, we're looking at them like, oh, my gosh, you poor kids. For them, I came back going, poor us. (laughs) Poor us because I was so busy looking at poor them. But it was like they were happy. They were having a blast. They they laughed and smiled the whole time. But because they didn't have the things that we have here in in Chino, I was thinking they were miserable. Oh, look at how do they get by without having this and without having that. Well, this is what I've discovered. They never had it, so they don't know. I mean, they don't need a TV because they haven't had the TV. They were fine without it. There was things that that I was so occupied with, you know, media, you know, phones, this thing, that thing, and they didn't need it. And I think this was it was a wake-up call for me at that time because I was thinking I can't function without it and they don't even need it. And so I don't need it, but I feel like I need it. And this passage is reminding us that, listen, no matter what you go through, you and I, rich or poor, no matter what our circumstances are, we can run to the Lord. And we should find our joy and our peace in Him. In verse 12, it says, Blessed is a man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, it's interesting because in Matthew 5, when it talks about the uh, Beatitudes or the difference of the blessed, uh, it, the word blessed means happy. And and so this statement is saying, uh, happy or blessed is the man who endures temptation. Not that you go through the temptation or whatever, but that you endure it, that you make it through. And so it's it's reminding us in this context that you're going to go through it, you're going to have to press on. As you're going through it, it says, but when he is approved or tested and passed the test, when you go through these things, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you such as, except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so through this testing time, we would, uh, it would be revealed in us as a genuine believer and see how strong or how weak our faith is. The Bible tells us again in Revelation chapter 3 verse 10 says, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the world to test those who dwell uh, on the earth. And so it's important that I know where I am, that I know what God already knows about me. And it's important that we realize that when we endure these things, this endurance, it reveals a genuine salvation. It's speaking about the fact that I've gone through a tempting time in my life, a time where I've struggled in my faith, in my beliefs, in my stance, and everything else, and i passed the test. The word temptation in this context speaks of an enticement to sin. It it can be translated as a trial. And so as we uh, persevere through this temptation, we're approved, and we'll be rewarded for the work of God in us, and it's interesting because Satan wants to destroy us, and so Satan tempts uh, to evil. But God will try your faith, and so this temptation Satan brings about allows temptations to come in our life to entice us to get away from God, to pull us away from God, and we don't understand sometimes what these temptations. Again, uh, I've mentioned to you guys. I watch different people. I, I subscribe, if you would, to people on YouTube. I follow a few people that their main thing is fishing. Some freshwater, some saltwater fishing. Some do both. And it's interesting. I was talking, and where you fish depends on what you use for bait, right? So if you fresh freshwater, you might use worms, power bait, salmon eggs, this thing, that thing. If you're fishing saltwater, a lot of times they use smaller fish to catch bigger fish. And so everything just depends on what your, 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 trying to catch but i I think about this as teenagers temptation enticement the whole idea behind catching something there's a a bait and there's a hook or if you're trapping there's a trap or depending on what you're going for right so if we're being enticed if we're being it says in verse 14 if we're being tempted this temptation to you isn't going to come in power bait isn't going to come in salmon eggs. It isn't going to come in one of the... Ladies, it's going to come in a handsome guy that doesn't love Jesus, but is great to you, is nice to you. Guys, it's going to come in a beautiful girl that doesn't love Jesus, but you're attracted to. And she's cool. And so you're like, but he's cool and we're young. And so all of a sudden, you start going through this thing in your mind. He asked me to prom. And I know I'm not supposed to be unequally yoked, and I know what the Bible says, and I know this and that, but we're kids. It's not like we're going to get married or anything. Like, and it's nice to be asked to prom. And, all the, and so all of a sudden, we start justifying and questioning and, and going through all this stuff in our mind. And all along, what happens sometimes is we don't, we don't, uh, and, and and it's like this: Have you ever done this? You don't involve somebody that you know will tell you to do the right thing because you don't want to do the right thing, because <laughs> you want to do the right thing but you don't. Does that make sense? Like you're torn between doing the right thing. In other words, I was sharing last service when I went to, when I was in high school down Lugo. I didn't have a girlfriend, and I wanted to ask a girl from my swim team who was like one of my best friends to prom. I didn't ask her because I was a new Christian. And as a new Christian, I was told like, like, Christians should go out with Christians and things like that, right? So I ended up asking my best friend's sister, who was like a sister to me, and we went and had fun. But I wanted to ask this other girl and I liked her, but I didn't like her, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. I liked her, but I didn't want to like her because she wasn't a Christian. <laughs> but we were like best friends. We hung out all the time, swim team together. All, like We spent a lot of time together. We were really good friends. And there was nothing more than that, never was, and, and, and never, you know, but, but it was like there was a part of me that kind of wanted, if that make sense but there was also the part of me that says well she's not a christian so i can't but here's the thing if i would have asked her to prom like my, my parents would have been fine my parents weren't believers at that time and they didn't care like you know they knew her a little bit and they would have been fine but i didn't include billy billy knew her she was cool billy and her were cool but he also knew that she wasn't a believer so i wasn't going to ask what he thought because i figured he would I figured he would just say, no, you shouldn't, because she's not a believer. You follow with me? And so I didn't want to include him. And I didn't want to ask him. And I ended up not asking her at all. Matter of fact, I told her after, like, I wanted to go to prom with you. She's like, you should have asked me. I would have went with you. And in my mind, I'm going, I had mixed feelings. I have like, dang it, I should have asked her. And then I also had feelings like, I'm glad I didn't, because I would have started liking her more. And I know that I shouldn't have, but I would have turned our friendship into like a pursuit of a relationship. But I know that I wasn't supposed to, but I wanted to. How do I know for me? Because I didn't tell Billy and I didn't want to tell Billy. And I purposely was in my mind going, yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be okay. Yeah, you know, right? Anybody follow me? And so, what I was doing was the bait. The temptation was there, and the way I was dealing with it, I had to deal with my enticement. Now, it didn't. It wasn't a, my friend saying, "Uh, like, pursue me." It was me like going, well, but this girl's my best friend and I don't really want to go to prom with this other person. Like, why can't I go with her? We're just friends and this and that. And and what I was doing was trying to justify things in my mind and try to take it from a place that I try to make it okay. I wanted it to be okay for me. I know me and it wasn't okay for me. Because in high school, I was all about wanting to be liked and if I found out she liked me and we pursued this then I know myself I'm going to dive in in a way that I probably should dive in as a new Christian my focus and my walk wouldn't be on the Lord anymore it'll be on this relationship I know myself and so praise God I didn't But then after, when I didn't, even when I told her later, like, I wanted to ask you to prom, and I didn't, and I felt, uh, she's like, you should have, I would have said yes. And I'm like, there was a side of me going, "Mm, I could have, I could have. And there was a side of me that said, good thing you didn't. (laughs) And I, I, I was torn. Praise God, the Lord gave me the strength to do the right thing, but I know myself, again, I didn't in the beginning, involved Billy, who was my spiritual mentor, who was my spiritual helper at the time. So again, for each one of us, we have different temptations, different struggles. On Wednesday night at In-N-Out, uh, there was another church group there, and one of the guys come up to me, and he's like, hey, uh, I know you, and he's, I'm like, it's not me, no, <laughs> and, and we we're talking, and he's like, He goes, I I used to sit under you. I used to go to your church a long time ago. And he goes, can I tell you my story real quick? And I go, yeah. And he goes, in high school, I started partying with friends and stuff. And then uh, later in college, I got into heroin. It got got really bad. I've been in eight different rehabs and all this other stuff. And things got crazy. He goes, my life, just, I lost everything, and my life was a mess. I had a lot going for me, and I lost everything. And I'm doing good now. I'm married, and, you know, I, I found this church's uh, rehab g- group and stuff, and been clean for six years, and things are going well now, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, praise God, you know, he looked real healthy and stuff. But he goes, I lost everything. And he goes, and I look back and I go, just, I don't know how it happened. I don't even know how it got into heroin. And for him, he said, it started with drinking weed and other things and then got into heroin. It started with that light stuff and then got into heavy stuff because it became about the high. It became about other things. And he got, I'll just try this. And he wanted to try it to see how it felt and everything else. And, he, and it got worse. So there's things like, I don't know about you, but like drinking and drugs have never been enticing to me. I think because of sports and other stuff, and, and I just never, it never was a draw to me. And for some of you, it might be a draw, but for others, it's not. And, and, and so each one of us have our own things that are the thing that entice you or tempt you. But in that temptation and in that enticement, it says you got to be able to endure. And when you do endure, when you get to that finish line, there's a prize waiting for you. It's heaven. And I think what happens so often with Christians is we lose the side of the prize. We lose the side of the finish line. You know, th- this whole thing uh, with the, the Olympics right now. You know, I, I, I saw uh, on my news feed this morning or last night, it says, um, I forget her name, Simone, Simone, the, the gymnastics girl um says oh she started off she's starting off rocky or whatever but she's still in the she still can get gold i didn't read the article but that's what the title said but the whole thing is of the olympics is this right like you either do good or you're out (laughs) you either do good and you're going to get one of the three medals or you're not you can be out real quick or you can stay in and and get toward the medal right And you have like the US women's soccer team, right? They lost one and won one, I believe right now. But it's like, you know, there's this, you lose the first game, you know, and it's like in your mind, you're like, okay, this isn't good, right? Like, especially for a team that's expected to go far or has won before. And I think this is one of the things for some of us is like we find ourselves in a place where we were once always victorious And then all of a sudden, things start happening and things start changing and life gets different and rougher and and everything else. And the enticements change. The temptations change. Because you change. Because life changes. And we have to figure out how do we do this. Notice it says, um, verse 13, "...let no one say when he is tempted though, that they are tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone." Verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Desires. Again, I mentioned my own story. Like my desire was to go out with a friend who was one of my best friends, but she wasn't a believer. So we weren't like-minded when it came to our faith, but we were like-minded when it came to like, we're both into swimming, soccer. We're both into like, we're both silly. and like So we had a lot in common, but we didn't have our faith in common. And at that time, I was a new Christian, and my faith was everything. But being liked, and even being liked by my best friend, was everything also. Does that make sense? And so, it, because of that, like, I struggled. I wanted to have both. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, why, why can't you just be a Christian? Or, like, why, you know, like, why can't we just have this relationship? But it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I needed. But it was what I wanted. But it's easy for me. It's easy for you, if we see these things, to not fight it and then get caught up in the, the whole idea, of this temptation and, and, and the desires and being enticed. The Bible says in one Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four through twenty-seven. Do you not know those who run in a race all, uh, all run but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, (coughs) not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. In other words, what he's saying is, I want to compete excuse me, and I want to compete well, I want to finish well, (coughs) excuse me, I want to finish strong and I want to finish well, in finishing strong, I was sharing even last service, when you see people marathons or when you see people triathlons and different things, you'll see people run across the finish line, super strong, standing, waving their hands, yeah, and you also see people who walk through just. I've seen people crawl. Have you? Seen people crawl across the finish line. And they finished. They didn't win necessarily, but they finished. And here's the thing in this passage the, the, the competition, if you would, the race, it's not me against you, it's not you against the person next to you. It's not who finishes first, it's finishing. It's you finishing. It's you competing at your very best. You giving every effort. Notice it says to those who love him. This whole idea is like, Lord, help me to hang on to you. Lord, help me to always be reminded of what I'm doing this for. You think about it. There are people, I I follow a bunch of pro surfers who, as you guys might know, surfing is in the Olympics for the first time. And a lot of the pro surfers that compete against each other on the tour are now competing against each other according to their country. So there's people from Brazil that uh, are competing in U.S. and other countries and stuff that are competing against each other as now not just for a world title in surfing, but the title of the best surfer in the Olympics. And so when you see all these things and you look at them and they're representing one themselves, they're representing their country and they're doing this and they're proud to go and represent their country. And so, which is kind of crazy because some people aren't anymore, right? <laughs> they don't go there and represent our country well. It's kind of sad. But here's the whole thing. You and I get to rep the Lord and we get to understand like what we have to look forward to. But it's easy for us, especially young people, Uh, for you guys, as young people, to lose sight of the finish line. The lose sight of the goal, what am I doing this for anyway? And we give up easy. The other day after camp, I was tired from camp and feeling exhausted and after cleaning and helping clean, I didn't do much of the cleaning, everybody else did, but I was tired from camp. Went to the gym, was on the bike, the life cycle. And I'm pedaling slower than normal. And I usually do at least a half hour or more. And 10 minutes in, I'm like, I got off. I was like, this is stupid. I don't even want to be here at the gym. I, I walked around the gym a little more, did a couple more things, and I left at maybe 20 minutes total. So in 10 minutes of that, I was on the bike. And I'm like, yeah, not feeling it. And so there was no goal in mind. It was just kind of get back into the gym. And so because I didn't have any goal in mind, I just gave up. I literally gave up and left. <laughs> it wasn't worth it to me. And I thought, well, at least I went. I'm like, I don't know why I went and wasted 20 minutes. I wasted half my day. Like, like I didn't do anything. It wasn't even motivation to, like, get back in the gym because I, I I went yesterday, but I missed a whole other week. <laughs> we go through things, you guys, and... Sometimes we don't realize why we're going through things. And God is strengthening us through those things, though, to help us get through them, to keep our eyes on the finish line, to keep our eyes on the prize. But you and I have to be careful. Why? Because James is reminding us that you're going to be tempted, that God doesn't tempt you, but the evil one does. But you need to be careful because you would be drawn away. This drawn away speaks about being lured into a trap. There's a guy I follow on YouTube. His name is Flair. Um, he's one of the Guggen squads, and and is, he's a he does a bunch of things, and um, I, I, he's kind of interesting. So I follow him on YouTube, and um, he's got a bunch of livestock at his house, and uh, all of, the other day, all of his chickens were gone and come to find out he put up a little trail camera and stuff and so uh, raccoons were coming in and they got into his cage and and the raccoon so he put out these traps and he he put out in these traps these boxes uh, or or whatever traps and he put them in and uh, he put some fish in there and some other stuff for them to come in he covered the trap with some uh, shrubbery and stuff and then finally he caught it he caught the raccoon the the raccoon that was eating his livestock. And the whole idea was, he goes, if it's going to come here for food, I'm going to feed it, but I'm also going to put the food in a place where it's going to trap him. I'm going to lure it into this trap. That's what he did. So this is what it's saying in verse 14, that you're drawn away by your own desires. You're enticed by the things that uh, you're attracted to that draw you away. See, this is the big part. Again, because I mentioned relationships, because that's a big thing at your guys' age, but it could be anything. What are the things that entice you? When I was your age, one of the things that enticed me was money. I liked money. I still wish I had money, but... (laughs) See, I didn't get an allowance. I didn't get, you know, stuff like that, so I always had to work for it. Junior high, sold candy at school to all my friends. My backpack was like a a, a little (laughs) mini-mart. I could find, I would find anything, and I'd try to sell it. High school, continue the thing. Back then, big thing was like blow pops and stuff, and so we would go to, uh, Costco used to be called Price Club, so we'd go there, get stuff, go to Sam's Club, go there, get a bunch of candy, and and what I did was, my mom and dad fronted me the money, and then I made the money back, gave them their money, and then I started doing it with my own money. Back in the day, some of you might remember or know, like old bowling alleys used to, it it wasn't automated, you actually had to keep score. And so my parents were in a bowling league, I would be the scorekeeper, and i get paid doing that. I would always find ways to make money. Always find ways to make money. By the time I was 16, I bought my first car. I mean, it wasn't a lot of money, but bought it off my cousin, 82 Honda Civic. Um, but I paid with it with my own money. At 15, I started working at Foster Freeze, which is Titan Burger over here off Central in Philadelphia. I had a mindset to make money, and I, I could save up. If somebody gave me money and for lunch, I wouldn't eat, and I'd keep that money. That's how I was. I'd rather starve and keep the 10 (laughs) bucks. That's how I was. Or I'd go to like Taco Bell and get, back then the bean burritos were 59 cents, so I'd get like two of those, and then I'd save the rest of the money. And so, because I wanted to buy things, and I didn't get allowance, so I had to make, you know, and if I wanted something nice, I had to save up and get it. And if I got it, then I would take good care of it. And that's how I got everything that I had. That's how I still get what I want. But the whole idea behind that is, what, what's, what's baiting me? What, what am I attracted to? What's enticing me? And so it says, the word entice literally means to take in with bait. So what is it? Because, see, here's the thing. You and I have to uh, be aware of our weaknesses. We have to be aware of the things that entice us. Because those things, for us, we understand about being trapped. We understand fishing. We understand about hooks. We understand about being baited. But what is it in your life that's enticing you, that's drawing you away? What is it in your life that's a temptation or a trial? And because of those things, and you are aware, unlike a fish, that there's a hook, you are aware that this could be a bad situation. So, are you guarding yourself? Are you preparing yourself? Like, what what is this really about? You ever try to hand feed a a, a wild animal? And they come up to you kind of skeptical, yeah? Like, what's the motive here? What's the motive? You know? Sometimes my grandparents had horses, so we'd get a, a bunch of hay in our hand and, and put it out like this so the horses would come over to us so we didn't have to chase them down, yeah? And so you do things to say, come over here. I'm enticing you to just come over here. And for the horses, for us, sometimes it was like we're going to put a saddle on you. <laughs> we're going to ride you, but we want you to come over here. And so rather than chase you in this pan or whatever, we're going to get you over this way. And we'll use hey, We'll use whatever it takes. What is it that the enemy wants to use in your life to bring you down? Do you know what it is? And if you do, are you guarding yourself against being enticed, against taking the bait? Again, hear me. When I was your age, there were things that I was choosing not to do. Like I purposely didn't want to tell Billy some things. Why? Because I've learned this over the years now when somebody once told me like, you're only as accountable as you want to be. And I purposely didn't want to tell Billy because I didn't want him to tell me you probably shouldn't do that because as a Christian. See, my parents at the time wouldn't have told me that because they weren't Christians yet. They weren't pursuing God. But it was Billy who him and his dad was our pastor that I didn't want to hear that from. I didn't want them to tell me no or shouldn't when I want it to. And I knew in my mind and in my heart, like they probably would, and I knew in my mind and my heart that what I was thinking about was something I shouldn't be pursuing after. But it was enticing me. It was drawing me in. It was one of my desires. So what is it for you? And are you guarding yourself? Do, have you put things in place to guard yourself from being baited, from taking that thing on. Because notice verse 15, it says this. It says, uh, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And so when you pursue that, something happens. It brings forth this corruption. James chapter 4 verse 17 says this, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin." Don't be deceived. Be careful. See, the Bible talks about this. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we have to be careful because Satan knows exactly what he's doing. Again, the thief does not come in but to steal and to kill and destroy. And the Lord says, I've come that you may have life and that more abundantly. Don't be deceived. We have the ability to to resist temptation. We have the ability to not fall into sin, to not give in to sin. But see, it says sin when it is full grown, it brings forth death. It's a picture of seduction, this enticement. This enticement. I mean, have you ever watched things about like human trafficking? You ever watch things on, like, how people are captured? People are enticed, you know? You ever see things about, like, you watch this on TV shows. We watch it in movies, and maybe you've heard about it in real life where people are, like, you know, get in abusive relationships or whatever, but it started off, well, he was nice to me. I didn't think he would be like that. Oh, because he was... all these other things. I didn't know he was a serial killer. I didn't know, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> Notice the contrast, though. It says that in verse 12, that we would be given a crown of life, but here in verse 15, it says, when sin is full grown, it gives death. It brings forth death. See, the sin is when I give in to the desires of my own desires, the flesh, and I turn after the path that even Satan suggests. You don't need God. Just go this way. See, because I think, think about this. I mean, I don't think about her anymore. But the girl that I wanted to go to prom with, what if we did go to prom? What if we started dating? How would my walk be? Would she be a Christian now? Would I not be a Christian? Like, would I pursue God? Would she like you flow with me? I don't know, but if if I put myself in that situation, if I allow that that thing to continue, I might try to justify. Well, I could lead her to the Lord. I could bring her to church. Okay. But what if she doesn't want to come, but I still want to be with her? Now, now how do I justify this? You flow with me? And this is what happens to us because these are real things. This is a a real story. That really happened to me. Verse 16 and 17, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. This summer, August 16th, celebrating 23 years of marriage. God brought my wife to me. God brought my wife to me. Like, I'm so blessed. Like, we have our girls, we have our family and stuff. Life isn't always easy, but life is amazing. We've gone on a lot of adventures. We've been through a lot of things together. And you know what's cool? I could pray with my wife. She could pray for me. We are like-minded in our faith. And it's not just, like, the fun things, because now I have the fun things, too. She likes the beach. I like the beach. She likes... You know, there's things that that are different. She loves literature, and I don't care. (laughs) She's fine staying home and reading, and I'd rather go out. (laughs) So we have differences. But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our love for God, when it comes to our family, we could fight the same. And I can tell you, I'd much rather have this than be skeptical of what could have been. And and, and here's the thing, for you guys, I want to tell you, and I'll end with this, our church is celebrating 40 years. What has made it last so long? I really believe it's the faithfulness of staying focused on who Christ is and what His Word teaches. That's why it's lasted. That's why people are still walking with the Lord that started here a long time ago. I love hearing stories like, I don't know if you guys know this, but 30 plus years, well, 30, almost 40 years ago, Pastor David married Josh's parents. And then, you know, they had four kids, Josh being one, and he's 29 and was raised here in the church. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's like cool to see what God's done. So why is he still, still walking with the Lord? Why, why is he on staff? Why? What keeps him going? I believe it's Jesus. I believe he's made a point to keep a personal relationship with God and he understands that it works. Not because of his parents, not because of his pastor or anybody else, but he has seen them be successful, so it keeps him being successful. He's seen them persevere and that it works, and so it helps him persevere and then it works. Does it make sense? And so here's the thing there are people that you will see that don't persevere and it doesn't work for them. I've seen a lot of people come and go when it comes to church life. And ultimately, I've been blessed to see people who have finished well and I want to finish well and I want you to finish well. And so here's the thing, hang on, hang on, hang on. Why? Because it's going to be a blast, but... In the presence of God, it's safe. In the presence of God, He's going to be your strength and He's going to keep you from falling. He's going to keep you from heading into sin and, and, and deteriorating in and your life, falling apart. Hang on. He's going to be your strength.